0: From Calvary Church of Santa Ana, this is the Calvary Life Podcast, the show where we share stories, tell jokes, and have discussions about faith, life, and God with people from Calvary Church. Here are your hosts, Eric and Matt.
1: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Calvary Life Podcast. I'm Eric Wakeling.
2: And I'm Matt Davis, and today we have a very special guest. Her name is Mary Jane Edwards. Say hi. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. We're very excited to have you here. Mary Jane, you are the lead person when it comes to our early childhood ministry, and we want to just get to know you a little bit. And so start us out. How did you end up here at Calvary?
0: Well, at the time... Uh, My fiance was working down the street at First and Tustin. There was a little restaurant called Cinnamon Productions.
2: Yes, I remember Cinnamon Productions. That place was delicious. Yes, I I hold them responsible for at least 20 pounds. (laughs) At
0: least, at least. So good. So he was working there, and we had been looking for a home church and kind of church hopping, trying to figure out where home was, and some woman invited Quentin to the Christmas Eve service. And some we,
2: woman, are you okay with this? Is this? Yes, I'm okay. totally okay with it. Okay.
0: It's, I wish we knew who it was. Uh, we, uh, so we don't, don't know. know.
2: It's nameless, faceless person.
0: We have no idea who it was wow. that first invited us to Calvary, which is crazy.
1: So some woman invites Quentin to the Christmas Eve, is that what you said?
0: Yeah, they, okay. they invited him to the Christmas Eve service. They said, hey, we've got a church right down the street. Real easy to find if you want to check it out for Christmas Eve. So he came back and told me, I said, well, sure, let's give it a shot. We'll go to Calvary Chapel. It'll be fine.
1: (laughs) And then lo
0: and behold, we come (laughs) and it's like, this isn't Calvary Chapel. This is different. And we felt at home right away. It was Pastor Fred was speaking on Christmas Eve and we just fell in love with him. And then we said, well, we got to come back on a Sunday. We got to come back and like see what this place is about at a regular, like normal service. And uh, Dave spoke, and we've been here ever since. Wow. What year was that again? That was 2004, Christmas 2004.
2: I remember. So your husband, Quentin, is awesome. He's on staff here with our facilities crew and amazing. But I I remember him. He just had so much energy. He managed that place. He also did coffee, right, with... Yes. Diedrich's, right? Yeah, Diedrich's, Starbucks.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so you guys ended up coming here. You get to know Fred a little bit. You're not married at this point, but do we even want to like backtrack some of the story before that? Let's go all the way back, I say. All the way. Yeah. Let's do this. You were born where?
0: I was born in Fountain Valley.
2: All right. Was that too far back, though, for you, Eric? Uh, it seems all right. It seems okay. Fountain yeah. Valley. She's definitely
1: kind of a Fountain Valley HB girl. I think that defines a little bit of MJ. Yes, right? yes. Probably so. So talk to us about early life. What was early life, family like, all of that?
0: Yeah. I grew up in Orange County, lived around here for a few years till I was nine or 10. I have a very varied background. Um, My mom and dad both struggle with addiction issues. I was an only child with steps and halves worked in there as well. Um, So it wasn't always easy growing up. There was a lot of struggle growing up in that environment um, yeah. And then as I, you know, as I grew up, there was little moments where I'd be invited to church or there was a, I remember the first Bible verse I ever memorized. I was six years old. And in our community where we lived, there was like a Bible study that would happen for kids and people would invite all the kids in the neighborhood. And it was like, yeah, whatever, I'll go. And Check it out, and it was First John four fourteen. The Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. I still have it. It's wow. like a song that they taught me.
2: Mm.
1: And how um, old you, you think you were around? I was what probably age? Probably
0: six. Six. That's wow. probably six. And I'd I'd never really heard anything from church or anything before that. Um. Yeah. And then I remember when I was eight or nine, my mom's grandpa had passed away, and we went to a outdoor gospel church, and it was like very charismatic. And then they talked about eating blood and and body. And I was so confused oh, yeah. and super overwhelmed, um, as a kid. So it gives me some, some tender heartedness towards teaching kids because I you know it can be kind of confusing when yes. you're still figuring it all out.
1: Maybe even to adults about drinking blood and eating flesh. I mean, that's a strange concept, right?
0: Yes, very much that so. We
1: don't actually do that. It's symbolic things of that. Correct. But, uh, that's wow. So, but, so those are some, I guess experiences that you had with the church or Christianity when you were younger, but Mm -hmm. was there, what was the kind of spiritual life like other than that in your family?
0: Yeah, it was pretty absent. Both of my parents felt like I should come to it on my own. I could figure it out on my own, you know, all truth is good truth kind of mentality. Um, My dad was raised Catholic and my mom was kind of raised agnostic. So, um, you know, they were just very free flowing you know, kind of the hippie approach, just kind of do you. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah.
1: Okay. So then life keeps going along. What is Mary Jane like as uh, maybe a preteen leading into those, you know, teen years?
0: Yeah. Um, gosh, the teen years. (laughs) Um, I was, I was a really energetic kid, a lot of fun. I always wanted to be the center of the tension, like the ham of the family is kind of the joke, you know, oh. always scrapping for attention, um, which is <laughs> good, which is good. Uh, in my teen years, my mom and her boy, her live in boyfriend would be gone a lot, says so alone a lot. So the preteen years had a lot of isolation and um, yeah, trying to figure out who I am in the midst of solitude is is a struggle mm-hmm. for any age but especially preteen.
2: Yeah for sure. And when we're left as teenagers, preteens, to make some of those decisions on our own. We don't always make the best decisions. Um one of those um moments in your life, you at age sixteen you moved back to Orange County. You're moving back to Orange County from where?
0: We were we were living up in LA County area, lived all over Chino and West Covina and Walnut. Um, was where I spent most of the time from, you know, nine to 16 or so.
2: Okay. And then you meet Quentin.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: How old were you then?
0: I was 16 years old when I met Quentin. Uh, We met the summer of 1998 at the Family Fun Center in Fountain Valley, which is... Family Fun
1: Center. Yes. You met there. Were you both just attending, like having fun there? No, so By the way, that I, is boomers, everyone, for the yes. younger generation. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it is now boomers, it's yeah. still there. Yes. Um, I was a cashier and uh, Quentin had gotten hired a couple of weeks after me. And I had a girlfriend, her name was, was Catherine Bearden, I'll never forget her. And I was dating somebody at the time, but she said, hey, there's this guy starting to date, it's super cute, I think you're gonna like him. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, like totally shrugged it off. And then he walked by, and I grabbed her arm and said, oh my goodness, was that him, and got very excited. And <laughs> um, he you know, went and clocked in, and then he came back and introduced himself, and you know, hi, I'm Quentin. And I said, oh my gosh your name's Quentin? I want to have a son named Quentin someday. First words out of my mouth to my future husband.
1: Whoa. Which is and it did kind of freak him out or did it no, a little bit?
0: I, I probably did in the moment. It probably freaked <laughs> him out in the moment, but then he asked me out three times before I said yes. So he, it didn't scare yeah. him too bad.
1: Can I get a sense of your guys' style then? What are you looking like at this point in your life? I mean, is this some sort of punk rock look? Is this w- kind of like a, w- was he bald at was that was point? It? Yeah.
0: Yes. He was already <laughs> shaving his head. Which <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> 16, yes. 17
2: years old. <laughs> Crazy.
0: Yeah. He's only grown his hair out once since I've known him. So wow. he's had a shaved head most of the time. Yeah. He's, he still looks the same in my mind. Um,
2: <laughs> let's get to you then.
0: Yeah, I mean, I may have had, like, Doc Martens and red Dickies pants. Yeah, okay. You know? That's what there I was might picturing. Have been, there might have been some of that. And, like, eighth grade, ninth grade was more like I shaved the bottom half of my head or, like, did the, like, braids everywhere, like, offspring, you know.
2: Offs- yeah,
1: okay. Yes. That makes sense. I think yeah. offspring is helpful to
2: me. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you in a listening audience that don't know what that means... Wikipedia. There you go. Perfect. (laughs) yeah. yeah. Just Google it. Pop pop punk nineties,
1: right? Yeah. 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 Basically. Yep. Um, all right. All right. So then you and Quentin are, are hanging out and, and that's going along. And then what happens with that next?
0: Oh yeah. So, um, obviously we weren't walking with the Lord, um, because we ended up getting pregnant at, I was 17. Mm. Um, so It was my senior year.
1: What's what goes through your head when you get the news then? So when you're 17, senior year?
0: Um, Terror, fear, like, what am I going to do? How do I respond to this? And for me with, you know, growing up in my home situation and just where I was even at that age, I didn't know how to bring up that conversation with my parents. I didn't know how to bring up that conversation, even with Quentin. So I went into hiding And, um, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Oh, thankfully overalls were in, um, so so physically, physically Physically hiding hiding. Hmm. my pregnancy from everyone. I did not even tell my very closest friend, closest cousin, nobody knew. Um, and then, so this is spring of 99 when we get pregnant and then, it wasn't until December fifteenth of ninety nine that anyone found out.
2: So wait, that that's far. How, how far in the I begins? was eight and a half months pregnant. <laughs> okay, that's a, I, that was a lot of math for me, but Yeah. That, I'm yeah. not so nobody knew.
0: No one. Just me. No yeah. one. Not one person. So not you, Quentin? Not Quentin.
2: Are you not showing that? Oh I one? was
0: very much showing. I was very much showing. Um and I you know, I didn't know how to bring up the conversation, but I also wasn't like super trying to hide it. I mean, I'd hide my stomach, but I was not asking for certain feminine products. I was complaining about heartburn. I was complaining about getting heavier. I just felt so lost by how do you no just drop engaging. that bomb on somebody, you know? Right. Um. So, yeah, that was it was really tricky. Were to, you and
1: Quentin still dating through this point? Or yeah. So
0: we were dating until... May. um, So I was pregnant in March. We were dating until May. And then he was going to not finish high school. And that was kind of my excuse. So I broke things off with him. Mm -hmm. And then um, I remember the date because December 15th, my stepmom had asked, finally, are you pregnant? And I just broke down in tears and said, yes. And I had a plan for what I was going to do. It wasn't a good plan by any means. um, but. Yeah, that's when it all came out. And I, I do want to share one story. Um, yeah. it's an amazing, impactful moment in my walk with God. I'm um, I was driving a station wagon and I was trying to figure out what do you do with this choice? You know, there's keep the baby, raise the baby and be a mom. There's consider adoption and then there's abortion. And it was, man, how do I, you know, 17 years old alone, make this decision. It was crazy.
2: Yeah.
0: And so, I'm. Um, I remember
1: when is this happening though? like what month? oh,
0: this is this is probably May or June. Okay. So it's uh, still on. pretty early on in the pregnancy. And I went and I drove to Planned Parenthood in Huntington Beach, and I was parked outside, and I hadn't prayed in like two years. And I threw out the fleece, and I said, God, if you don't want me to walk into this building and consider this this path, just make me leave. Just shut the door, and make me leave. And to date myself, my pager went off Hmm. and it was my dad saying that I needed to come home. And I took that as a full engaged stop from the Lord saying, this is no longer a path for you. So abortion became not an option and was off the table. So. Wow.
2: Wow. And that's huge. Yeah. What what was even just some of your thoughts with, uh, there's something about being in a Christian family, Christian context and you get pregnant, but your family's not entirely set up like that whatsoever. Is there fear of what they're going to do? Not, not from a religious, but like even a shame that's attached to that with your family, or is it just, you don't want to break the news? Like, what does that look like?
0: Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know how they would respond. I didn't know how I would be received. I didn't know how to bring it up. It was just lots of fear and confusion and um, you know, we didn't really have a foundation for me to trust in as I was trying to navigate kind of these bigger decisions. So, I'm trusting the, the mind of a 17 year old to fill in the blanks and to come up with the answers. And wow. you know, thankfully God met me in that place and closed that door. And then, so December 15th to pick it back up. Yeah. December 15th, my stepmom you know, asks me, I say, yes, I'm pregnant. So she tells my dad and the family starts responding. And um, there was a lot of conversation about, well, should we try and raise the baby? You know, they were all trying to answer this question for me, where in my mind, I knew from the moment God closed the option for abortion for me, I knew it was going to be adoption. Mm -hmm. I wanted, I've always wanted to be a mom since I was five years old. I wanted to be a mom, but I wanted to be a good mom. And I felt like. I couldn't have offered that at 17. I didn't know how to do anything at 17. Mm, um, does? <laughs> yeah. So, um Yeah. So, it, yeah, it was clear for me that adoption was the path. And when my family was responding with like the, what do we do? It was like, no, we're doing this. Like we're going to pursue adoption. And Did I had, you have
1: to make your voice known in that? Like was there a moment where you had to sort of, I'm here. I have to make my voice known that this is what we're doing?
0: Yeah. Well, when it. When they started like calling the family to like gather supplies, like we oh. need a stroller and we need a car seat and we need a crib. It was like, yeah. Hold whoa, on. Hold on. whoa, 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 whoa. Um, and I don't I don't that's not our plan. That's not my plan. And um, so December 15th, when they find out, they say, well, does Quentin know? Hmm. Oh. And he still doesn't. Wow. So talk about timing. His 18th birthday is December 16th. So I tell, I tell my family, you know, he's turning 18 tomorrow. Can we just give him a day? Like, yeah, it's already been eight and a half months. Can I give him his 18th birthday? And just let him be carefree for one more day. And then, you know, lower the hammer December yeah. 17th. Um, they did not like that plan. So my stepmom called his dad mm. and let them know the news. And um,
2: on his birthday or the, the day, day before
0: the day before his 18th birthday, Quite a surprise. Wow.
2: Welcome to adulthood. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so, huh. you know, I had feared my parents' reaction, but then, you know, there was this also, even though I hadn't been dating him for a few months, there was this, well, crud, how's he going to respond when he finds out that I've not told him and it's been all this time and lots and lots of fear. So he reached out and he said, I want to talk to you. So, Talked to him on the phone and I was expecting lots of wrath, lots of anger, worthy, (laughs) deserving. Um, Hmm. And the first thing he said is, how are you? He said, I want to see your belly. And it Mm. blew my mind that anyone could respond in love when I felt like I was deserving of wrath. And that that was a very transformative moment of me trying to understand God's love. It was like a, a glimpse of what it's like. It it definitely endeared me to Quentin all the more. And <laughs> me <too>. yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's just an incredible human being. And yeah. he should not have responded the way he did. But out of love, he did. So um, my aunt. Connected me with a family that had recently adopted a daughter, and she said, like, I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what you want to do. And I had been to a couple of agencies, and I was so confused. You know, I'm still 17, and I've got two weeks before this baby's coming out of me. Like, i got to figure out some stuff. I was feeling the pressure. And I remember asking Quentin what he thought. He was on board with the adoption idea. He, He said that he'd be on board with it, whatever I chose, which is very generous. So he said, I give you like full permission. You pick the family, you make the decisions and I will support you, which is very, very generous. So I talked to this woman who lived in Pittsburgh of all places, who was friends with my aunt. And I said, you know, I'm confused. These agencies, they have all these restrictions and limitations on um, contact and addresses and how all that works. Mm -hmm. And she said something that, really changed my perspective about kids and she said there's no such thing as too much love for a child and if you want to love your child even though it's growing up in another family you have permission to do that that's okay hmm. and it was like oh you know revolutionary idea to 17 year old me yeah and I hung up the phone and then I picked it back up and I called her and I said I think you should adopt this little boy hmm. and two weeks later she did
2: wow now Quentin is part of that. Is he there and on board and
0: Yeah, so when we um when I went into labor, we called the the family and the mom flew out to be here. So um the baby was born December twenty ninth and that evening the mom got there, his mom got there. And I wouldn't hold the baby. I wouldn't let anyone hold the baby except for, like, nursing and doctor staff until she got there because I wanted her to be the first one to hold him. There was something in me that knew I needed to see the baby in her arms to, like, finish the loop. Uh Like, I was a very attentive nine-month babysitter, and now this child is with its mom. Uh And that was like how I made it make sense in my mind Mm -hmm. so it was a really cool moment getting to watch her hold her son for the first time and then watching Quentin hold him and then I got to hold him wow so it's a very special moment Hmm.
1: and then you can we know his you want to say his first name is that okay yeah his name
0: is Patrick
1: his name is Patrick and so were you have you been able then to give that love that he's like, you know, all that yeah. love that he could receive? Have you been able to be in contact with him?
0: Yeah, I have not spoken to him. I haven't seen him since he was three days old, but okay. I've kept very close with his mom. And I've yeah. always felt like I wanted her to know what he was ready for, know what he needed. And he's always known he was adopted. His sister um, is also adopted. And that's something that they talked about openly in their family but I never wanted him to feel pressure to have a relationship with us for us to be a part of his life. I didn't want to force visitation or anything like that. I just wanted him to grow up and kind of be a normal kid hmm. and Quentin and I, and all of our extended families, were hopeful that someday we can have a relationship with him. But at the same time, we just want him to be happy and healthy and do his own thing. And it's mm-hmm. not about us at all. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. Which is in, as you, in your words, that is incredibly generous of you. Uh, I think it's probably the most generous a person can be, right? When you think of adoption and giving your child to another person for adoption. That's beautiful thing, I think. Thank um,
0: you.
1: Do you how are you now with that? I'm good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No. I just it's, don't know how what's that year. How many years later are we? How old is Patrick 19. now? Nineteen. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's been a it's been a long while and you know, we We're thankful for the family that we've created. It's bizarre that we ended up getting married. Like, well, yeah, we, that shouldn't (laughs) have worked out, you know, it shouldn't have worked out with the way we got started. Um, so yeah, it's cool.
1: Do you have any thoughts just for young girls at this, you know, get them, you know, that are in this situation that you were in at 17, you know, have you just have any thoughts for them or uh, to others of how to treat that girl? You know, even,
0: Yeah, I think um, for girls that don't know how to start the conversation or that get into a situation that they're not sure how to respond to, I would say that there are resources beyond your family of origin if that isn't a safe place or that Uh isn't a place where you feel comfortable even um, being that kind of honest, but to seek that out, to find people that are safe and to say that you know, whatever is going on in your life to be able to be honest with that, I think is good.
1: Yeah, that's huge. Like we work with here at Calvary with a place called Obria, right, which um, gives support and, and other things like that to, to those young or older of w- whatever age women that are in a position to make those decisions. I know. So, wow. So then your story continues. You move out at 18, right? Yeah. And then where is it where we go from there?
0: Yeah. So literally one month after I gave birth to that little boy, I moved out on my own to a very horrible apartment in Costa Mesa by OCC, moved in with a couple of friends. And um, I spent the next three years numbing pain and partying and doing whatever I could to distract myself from, you know, the kind of harder things that happened in childhood and teenage years. Um, and obviously the pain of, of parting with a child is something I also had to process. So, um, yeah, 18 and 19 were real rough. They were real rough years, but at 19, um, Quentin again had, um, encouraged me to go to counseling and said, you know, I think that you could work through some stuff and it probably help you a lot to go and talk with somebody. Are you, Friends, are you dating? Oh, again yeah, at this yeah, point? Okay, okay. So, no, 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 we we got back together on leap day 2000. So, it was just two months Some after months giving birth. Yeah, <laughs>
1: wow, leap day.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so ridiculous. I know, I know,
1: <laughs> but I know. That's amazing. Okay, so you got back together like two months later, and then you're together, and you're both going through this kind of party phase. Oh, yeah, right? for
0: sure. And yeah. he, he moved in to the apartment probably 18 and a half. 19 somewhere in there gotcha. he moved in to that same apartment with me and yeah we we were both just a hot mess trying to distract ourselves from the pain of life not yeah. having a source to go to mm-hmm. other than bad sources
2: it it looks like a hot mess now but does it feel like a hot mess then
0: no it felt like normal then I mean you know, I have parents who have addiction issues, so to me, that world was commonplace. It wasn't abnormal.
2: Yeah. Now, when does the tide turn then for you guys? What what changes? How do you bust out? Or does something bust in to kind of tip the scales for you guys?
0: Yeah. So, um, I was I was going to counseling because I was sexually assaulted when I was fourteen. Um, and through that process, it was actually through state appointed counseling service and for victims witness, they're not supposed to talk about religion. It's supposed to be very focused on the crime that happened. And this woman kept saying like, Oh, have you ever been to church? Oh, do you ever pray? (laughs) And it wasn't until years later that I found out that she was a believer and had been just fiercely praying for me and for Quentin, um, as I was in her care, So that was, you know, being in there and having somebody listen to me and care for me and ask me good questions. It got my mind thinking. And then it was, you know, when I first came to the Lord, I was in an environment where it was the rocky path. The seeds didn't have anywhere to really root and grow. And there wasn't a lot of nutrition going into the roots that Uh were starting to grow. So it burned quickly. And then, you know, as a 19, 20 year old trying to figure out like, okay, well, what does the following Jesus look like as this person who likes to party and is full of pain and doesn't know which way is up. Um, but God spoke and He he invited me back into relationship with him after all of these mistakes, all of this hard living. And his grace was still just waiting for me to say, yes, Lord. And It was, you know, a dark night alone crying in my living room, just Hmm. begging for God to show up and change the tide. And he did. And then it was, oh, no, now what do I do? I'm (laughs) living with Quentin. He's not a believer. And, you know, all my friends are partying. And, yeah, it was a big it felt like a big tangled knot to have to continue to unpack. So here I'd been in therapy, you know, unpacking so many things and then having to go back in and unpack more. Yeah. Figure out what that looks like.
1: So, then, so what happens next? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I don't know, like, I'm uh, on the edge of my seat, exactly.
2: You too. Which way? <laughs> Let's choose your own direction. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, at 21, um, that's when I recommitted my life to the Lord. And I, you know, was reading scripture and talking to Quentin, and he was super confused by everything that was going on. Um, because
1: are you just were you cold turkey then, just stop partying, or are you kind of a little, little of this still and that at that point, you know?
0: It was pretty cold turkey. Yeah,
1: so is he looking at you like, what, what are you doing? Why are you not participating?
0: What's yeah, that? well, and I think that, you know, there's a part of it that he knew he wanted to clean up and, you know, mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. wanted to live a good life, a right life, too. So I think we were both ripe for that change. And um, God knew what he was doing with his timing. Yeah. So, I recommitted, and within I'd say six or seven months, Quentin came to faith in the Lord. Hmm. Um, so we got engaged shortly after that at 22, and we were married in Samswick when I was 23.
1: Oh yeah, so how old are you when Cinnamon Productions Christmas Eve happens?
0: 22.
2: Okay, 22. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, things just started happening incredibly quick then. Yeah. So now you guys are coming to Calvary. Uh, you're growing in the faith, and then you start serving. Yeah. What what age group?
0: Uh, I started serving with three and four-year-olds under Tammy Stewart. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the joke is that I've just never left. I started serving and I just never left. (laughs) (laughs)
2: It's true. (laughs) And then Quentin even joined you.
0: Yeah, I have a picture of us from Sunday school way back when, and uh, he was dressed up as Moses, and we made a coffee filter beard for him to look you know more biblical or something
1: that's awesome
0: yeah that's actually I actually
1: got my start in ministry with a, a two and three year old class at my church that you know so as a volunteer so mm-hmm. hey mm-hmm. great how about,
2: how about you Matt Eric I think we'd like to talk to you about serving in the nursery a <laughs> yeah okay so there if you, you still go. got that touch yeah I was in a synagogue Torah school <laughs> it was rough it's a long story. We should podcast it sometime. Back but. to Mary Jane. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Yeah. So back to Mary Jane. So, yeah. So that you're, you're serving, you're volunteering, and then...
0: Yeah. Uh, crazy Matt Davis decided to roll the dice and offer me a job on staff in 2008.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And that was a tough decision. That was a really tough decision. I was working at a law firm. I had a cushy job. It was right in my wheelhouse. Making and real money. Yeah. 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 And then uh, I remember you asked me a question that I know you don't remember asking me, um, but you said, what are you willing to sacrifice to go into service to God? And wow.
2: I that's said, insightful. That, that's insightful. <laughs> I know. It sounds like a, like a big missionary moment. Like this is when I decided to become a missionary or like Jim Elliott or something. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Yeah. I, I just don't feel like I'm that wise. Something a
1: spiritual director would say to you or something like that. Are you
2: sure it was me?
0: It was you. It was in the hallway of the C building and it was just a a quick run in, but it was a very impactful question. Like we went home and like prayed and fasted over that question. Wow. Yeah.
1: That's something I appreciate, honestly, just about you and Quentin. I feel like you do when these sorts of challenges or questions or whether that's from someone asking you directly or from a sermon point or something you hear, like you guys really dig into it and take it seriously. Yeah. I don't think everybody does. So like, I think it's amazing how you do. I appreciate that.
2: And isn't that you. funny that we like, we kind of sit back and marvel and like, Oh, people actually did take that home. <laughs> right, right.
1: When we said something, you know, someone actually listened. All right.
2: It's like that moment, like Jesus looks at the, the centurion's faith, and like never in all of my, in, you, nobody in Israel has this kind of faith. He always stopped and he always looked at faith and said, so it is, it's something that's really great about yeah. you guys that mm-hmm. is awesome. Thank you. And you said yes.
0: I did say yes. And that I'm was just a little crazy.
2: Well, and I just remember watching the both of you and you served, and the thing that I would describe you as. Is being the person who you actually liked kids, and you still do actually love kids. Yeah, like there's there's I I love kids too, but I always (laughs) joke and say I love kids two days a week. Like I can give it like just two solid like Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings. But you actually love kids all the time, and I'm, I'm mostly tongue in cheek. I love kids too, but like they just don't wear you out. You had so much energy and and gave. So you guys were you came in. And what was your first title? Was it the first title, the crazy long? Yes. We came up with something there.
0: Yes, my first official title on staff <clears throat> was the Children's Ministry Development Coordinator.
2: But it didn't all fit on the name
0: tag. No, I had a very—I still have a very unfortunate name tag that says Children's Ministry Devil, but D E V E
2: L. We couldn't fit it all on.
0: And I remember—I <laughs> remember—I was handed the name tag and I went. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think this is going to work.
1: And
2: none of us saw it. <laughs> no, we, we
1: struggle know. with our abbreviations sometimes on those titles. Associate pastor can get unfortunate at times as well, but we don't need to really get too detailed into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Wow. Uh, yeah. So you served in that role, and then you eventually went on to become the preschool director and even greater things now.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I get to oversee ministry to early childhood. I. I love this place, I love our families, I love getting to walk through life with um, families in the good seasons and the hard seasons and getting to sit with kids and ask them questions. Something as simple as, tell me about what dinner's like at your house or how do you get tucked in at night? That reveals so much about their world and about what they're experiencing and what they're perceiving. And getting to help them think through, um, how is God meeting you in your context in your life? And for some kids, they can see it right away. And for others, it's a little trickier. They have to to dig and pray and try and figure it out.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love about you that you have never shied away from jumping into hard conversations with people. Um, from doing hard things in your life. I love that you're a growing person, but what's your mindset? Sometimes you just, you've had to take steps and leaps as a leader, as a person, as a human, you just kind of jump into those things with a boldness and a passion, but what does it take to kind of jump into some of those things at times?
0: For me, it is as God moves and I, I have to be I'm I'm very cautious and I'm careful to take big decisions to the Lord and to really chew on them and like fast and pray and really consider what it is God might want me to do or how God might want me to respond. And I'm finding even as I, you know, go along in ministry and as now a parent and a wife and, you know, everything with life, I'm finding more and more that that abiding and staying connected to Jesus is critical for me to feel like I have any amount of success or strength or ability in any of my roles. Mm. Um, it's utter dependence. Huh. It-
1: Share with us a story of just maybe something from from preschool ministry or one of your volunteers or just...
0: Oh, yeah. I've got lots of ministry stories. (laughs) Um, One of my favorite prayer moments with a kid is I remember there was, we were, you know, it was after kind of the Bible time and we were having some time to pray. And a kid came up and we had um, symbol prayers. So there was a heart or a, a book or... a a girl or a boy and you could bring them up and say, this is what I want to pray for and kind of explain what that symbol represented for you. And this little boy brought me a boy and a girl. And I assumed it was mom and dad. That's like most prayers from preschool age kids are always about family, always mom and dad. And they brought this little boy or the boy and the girl. And I said, okay, well, who do you want to pray for? And they said, I just want to pray that Adam and Eve wouldn't eat the fruit. (laughs) And I was like, Man, that's a great prayer. Oh, that is a great prayer. That's so good. <laughs> or that. when they pray, you know, I just want to pray for the whole world. And then I realize like, oh, gosh, their Jesus is big enough for them to just say, I'm going to pray for the entirety of the world in one yes. sentence. Um, those are really special moments. Oh. I, I really have an incredible um, vantage point to see God at work in children's lives and families' lives and in the lives of the volunteers here at Calvary Um, We've had some amazing volunteers over the years. We have a great team now. Um, Shanti Ernst, she has been serving for almost 25 years in our preschool kindergarten classes. She was in junior kindergarten for a long time with a woman named Nan Seaman. Some people may remember her.
2: Yeah, Nan was great.
0: Yeah, she's great. Um, and Shanti has been so faithful. She serves every Sunday. She brings in costumes and games and just, she makes Sunday school so much fun for the kids. And after all this time, she's going to be relocating to Texas. So I'm sad for that, but she's just been a pillar in our team and a really awesome, awesome volunteer. She's really good at not only caring for the kids and the families, but also caring for the teens in her room and the other adults she serves alongside, Mm -hmm. and even wanting to, you know, pour into me, which is crazy. It's like, no, I want to serve you. And she's just a very sweet, sweet Mm -hmm. woman.
1: It's a great uh, testimony, both to her and her commitment to the Lord, but also I think to some of the environment that you've helped create down there of a place to serve. Right. And so I know you probably we, won't take that, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> we try and keep it fun and the kids yeah, Calvary yeah. has the cutest kids on the planet. There so it's go. pretty easy. Sell.
1: <laughs> and full circle personally. Yeah. And then you guys have your two little boys. I just don't know, you know as we were talking through your whole story yeah. and just kind of what God did in you, especially when, when Quentin was born, right. Where, um, it, just a moment or anything in there for you.
0: Yeah, when um, so we have Quentin the second, not yes. to confuse anybody. Yes. So is that a,
2: d- is that a hard thing living in a family with kids, people, two people the same name?
0: No, because <laughs> we don't usually use names. It's like everybody has their nickname or pet name. Because we know?
2: always say Q one, Q two. But yes. is that is that how it goes in the house? Like we I, do
0: that at home a little bit. Some of some of the family calls my husband Quen, and the little one Quentin. So oh. that's a fun distinction, but.
2: I was wondering, like George Foreman, that must have been crazy. But anyway.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Q2, he gets that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that because I was a birth mom and then having a kid of my own, there was definitely some wonky moments that I had to to navigate through realizing like, oh, I don't want to go on a date night and leave my child because I'm having issues leaving my child and having to sit in that and unpack that a little bit and having very patient husband and very patient extended family who you know are saying no leave us the kid and go have fun and it's like I'm trying Uh, I'm trying that so makes sense
1: though. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So we went on our first date night when he was six months old. <laughs> I've gotten better now. I'm ready. Now I, now I can go out a little bit. Get me out of here. <laughs> yes, to a certain degree. So right. yeah, now it's better. Um, but yeah, there was. It was like I had to relearn a little bit and trust. No, I'm. I have a relationship with this child. I, I'm mom now, and mm-hmm. I had to reframe some of that. And yeah, so we had. Q2 in 2013. And then in 2015, we got another one and we got Andrew Mm -hmm. and he is so tragically adorable. (laughs) He's just always falling and always knocking into something, but super cute at the same time. That's awesome.
1: Well, I'm just, we're all so... Happy for you to have that beautiful gift of the family that you have now and the family that you have that's greater even
2: outside of here that you can't
1: see every day.
2: And, and I, I just love I, yeah. you, you said earlier, as we just started talking, that you always wanted to be a mom since the age of five. But you said, I wanted to be a good mom. Yeah. Yep. And I think Eric and I can both sit here, listen to you and your story and know you as a mom. And you're not just a mom. You're a great mom. Mm hmm. And with your story and your process, everything that you've gone through, I think there's parts of us in in our stories where we have to reparent ourselves Mm. in places that we weren't parented the right way. So you're not only a good mom to your kids, but you are reparenting yourself in all the right ways. And that's not an easy, it looks good on the outside, but it's a hard, hard process in knowing that. So we love you, we're proud of you, and we're thankful that you're here. That you're not only part of the church community, but you're on staff and you're helping to shape and form for other people in their lives.
0: Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, I love, I love being here. I love um, how encouraged Quentin and I get not only by you know just being on staff, but really our church family is incredible. At um, circling the wagons when they need to be circled and calling stuff out when it needs to be called out and just loving us well in the midst of life's ups and downs. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really incredible place to be a part of.
1: That's great. And so to all of you listening to this, I know that you must be inspired by Mary Jane and her story. And I hope that you really feel blessed that you have a person like this, incredible woman of God serving here and serving your children so faithfully and, and you as well. So thanks for sharing Mary Jane. Uh, we're happy
2: to have you. Thanks guys. Thank you.
0: Thanks again for joining us on the Calvary life podcast. If you enjoyed our show this week, don't forget to rate review and subscribe to us on Apple podcasts or wherever you're listening. If you want to learn more about Calvary church or share any of your thoughts, check us out on our website at calvarylife.org or find us on one of our social media accounts. We're on Instagram at Calvary underscore church, Facebook at Calvary Church of Santa Ana, and Twitter at Calvary Life.